This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Each episode I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. Excitingly, I have another double guest episode today with the founders of Newsflash. It is Heidi and Hazel. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Oh, hello. Hi. Um, I'd like to first of all ask both of you what your freelance is. So Heidi, would you like to tell me what you do for your freelance and then Hazel, what you do? And then we'll jump into talking about all things Newsflash and pitching. Yes, yeah, so I am a freelance journalist. I've been freelance for about 15 years and um, I was a PR executive in my previous life. Brilliant. Hazel? Um, I am also a freelance writer. I call myself freelance writer rather than journalist because I do quite a lot of copywriting and, and media training and corporate stuff as well as journalism. Um, I've been doing that for about 15 years as well. I think prior to that I was editor of a, a classical music magazine and prior to that I was an academic and then I kind of went straight into freelance writing and haven't looked back. Fantastic. That's very interesting, the definition, like the journalist and the writer. And then some people call themselves copywriter, some people call them content writer, don't they? So it's very... There's a difference there, isn't there, in the type of writing sometimes that you do, depending on the word you use. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. And then you run a company together called Museflash. Who would like to tell everybody about Museflash? Would any, either, are either of you the spokesperson when it comes Heidi. to <laughs> Heidi's the official founder. It's her baby, really. I'm just like hanging on by the coattails. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Yeah, so Museflash is basically, um, it began, it, it's really... Uh, I don't know, I suppose you could call it a training company, but we don't, we don't really use sort of very corporate language about what we do. It's basically just the two of us sharing our passion and belief in the fact that you can have um, a sustainable career as a freelance writer. I sort of believe for years and years before I, before I went for freelance that it wasn't possible. Nobody makes a living as a writer. Um, if you do, you'll starve, you know, all of that kind of stuff really put me off ever trying to make a go of being a freelance journalist mm. and so Newsflash came about I interviewed somebody for a newspaper feature I think she was actually a blogger and she was really brilliant she was just one of those case studies that was you know really went above and beyond the call of duty and you know once the piece had run and I got in touch to kind of tell her that she could she, where she could see it and everything she kind of said to me I said you know if I can ever repay the favor you've really made this piece so brilliant if there's anything I can do to repay the favor do you let me know hmm. and she said well actually um you've got my dream job I'd love to be I'd love to be a freelance writer I'd love to make enough to give up my finance job but you know I'm terrified and I don't know where to start um can you sort of teach me what you know and I kind of said yeah I don't know that I know anything really I had I had sort of made it all up <laughs> as I went along um but from there I put together 
uh, a bespoke kind of training course for her so she to be honest she really wrote it she wrote you know this is what I don't know this is how I kind of um, get stuck I don't know how to kind of go about you know building up enough clients to, to mean that I feel confident to leave my job um, so yeah I, I wrote a little kind of online course for her and a few other people came on board who had sort of really struggled with pitching in particular so other other freelance writers who kind of didn't share my enthusiasm for pitching uh, <laughs> so they came on board as kind of Know, beta beta whatever you call it testers students whatever um and it just it went really well it worked really well so I ran it a couple of times after that um just by word of mouth really people kind of mentioned it to their friends um and then I just ran aground I just hit a point where I was like I don't actually I'm so busy kind of doing my own freelancing <laughs> I haven't got time to run a, a training company as well and Hazel and I had been online friends for years and we chatted for a long time in fact I was literally just looking back through our emails today to kind of see how the hell did we end up working together um, and we sort of schemed a bit you know for a long time and said we could do something really good together if only we could figure out what the hell that might be and so yeah we just started talking about taking taking the idea of teaching pitching to other freelance writers putting together some sort of I don't know I suppose confidence boosting package a mentoring program if you like that would just be the moral support that we you know we felt like we wished we'd had when we were trying to get established as writers so um yeah that was newsflash that was kind of how it began and that was we think it was about five years ago so yeah, yeah we've been kind of at it ever since to put the hard sell in here if I may as well just and on top of that on top of the pitching and, and training for writers and things we've sort of done the old course for small businesses a bit of PR stuff so we've been kind of diversifying quite a lot into other areas of feature training and um, a little bit of one-to-one -one mentoring that kind of thing so we do other things too. Oh, amazing. Well. <laughs> and have you, have you actually met? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you <laughs> don't. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, day, slept in my bed. <laughs> she slept, slept in my bed and everything. Actually, my time. <laughs> yeah, although we we actually hadn't met when we first started working together, so I always remember kind of explaining to my husband that you know I was effectively going into business with this person I'd never met, and I can remember his face like, "I'm sorry, you're what?" <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just always really really worked for us. Like I think we did really, although we hadn't met, we did really know each other from. I mean, if I published the emails that I was scrolling through. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think that went in our favour. It wasn't like, you know, we, we sort of didn't know each other at all. We didn't know each other well, but we hadn't actually met when we started working together. Yeah. It's very interesting to me because I think there's a lot of relationships like this, particularly now because we're early Feb as we're chatting 2021. So we're in the UK, pandemic times are everywhere etc and you know people are building businesses remotely and I think a lot of people yeah. are thinking well I like so and so and we get on and we've maybe met on zoom and you share things with people remotely because of work but actually you might not tell your best mates yeah it's people true. are doing building relationships this way aren't they it's, it's quite sort of normal now to say well I might do some business with someone I've never actually said hello to in person and I think actually you can you can have a better you can have a better relationship with somebody online than you would yeah. have with them in person. Like I don't, we, Heidi and I have never, bar you know the odd few hour stretch here and there, we've never worked in an office all day long together every day. Mm. And we might drive each other absolutely demented if we did. <laughs> so actually, sometimes working online virtually with somebody can be even better than the real thing. Yeah, I love that. That's absolutely brilliant. Because Heidi, you're in Northern Ireland, aren't you? I am, yeah. So I'm, I'm not from here originally. I'm from um, Surrey originally, but yeah, I've lived here for, oh, I don't know, about 
14 or 15 years ever since I basically I went freelance once we moved over here because uh yeah I, le I left my kind of PR job um to have kids and then uh we moved over here with my husband's job so once we were here I kind of needed another career <laughs> really <laughs> definitely so yeah brilliant and Hazel where are you based? I am West Yorkshire, just outside Huddersfield, um, from Kent originally, uh, met my partner at University in Wales and he's from Halifax, so moved up here. So I've lived in Yorkshire probably for about 21 years, <laughs> 20 yeah. years, quite So both of you are surviving and managing to run a business without being in that London. I know, yeah, never lived in London. I've never lived in London and I worked for all the, and I do work and did work for all the major national newspapers. And that's not unusual now, but when I was started out, people, people would just go, but how, but how can you write for the Guardian if you, if you don't live in London? And their heads would like explode. You could just see them going, oh, does not compute. And whereas now I think quite a lot of people are doing that now. But when I started out, it was like unheard of. Yeah, very much so. It used to be all roads led to London and actually there's yeah. a real thing now where it's like, well, yeah, you can be a journalist or a writer and, and not ever touch foot in in the centre of London. and everything outside of London, did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a convert to non-London living now because I've just moved. So I'm in that course kind of like, oh, look at the new shiny out of London. <laughs> there is London now, <laughs> oh, I'd love to go into, so you guys obviously focus a lot on pitching and I've done your, some of your pitching courses, joined in some of your webinars. And so I'm quite the fan, but by practice as well, I, I know that what you offer people works because I've put it into practice myself. Yeah. Um, you oh, definitely you. speak wisely, I would say, about pitching and the ups and downs. So I'd love to kind of go into the feels of pitching and kind of like, you know, highs and lows and the ghosting mm. and keeping at it. And I guess, like, why do you think pitching is such a thing for people? Because you guys, I mean, I've, when I've been in your webinars, there's always plenty of people there. People are like either a bit done in by pitching or yeah. challenged by it or a bit like, you know, oh, I've really tried and how do I keep momentum? What do you think it is about pitching that people... Why it gives us so many feels, as it were. I think it's just, it's pure rejection, isn't it? Pitching is just time and time again, opening yourself up to the possibility and in journalism, very high probability <laughs> of being ignored or rejected. And we just, people hate that. We just don't, we're not trained. We don't have the skills to kind of deal with that. And exactly like you said, actually then the sort of cumulative effect of that over you know, several months or several years, it can really get you down and, and that can really actually sort of stymie your career because you can't, you can't be a successful freelance writer if you're not good at pitching, I don't think. You can sort of, you know, survive and flail around for a bit, but you can't, you can't have a business that's thriving and you can't have a, a working life that you really love if you're terrified of pitching. Mm -hmm. um, but so many people are because, because they don't know how to do it. They haven't learned how to pitch. They're making it up as they go along and, there aren't many things that we can teach ourselves, you know, without any input and be brilliant at. So lots of people really struggle with kind of basic good pitching practice. And then, yeah, over time, if that, if that results in a lot of silence or a lot of rejection, that's hard for anyone to handle. I think people take the pitches really personally as well. So I think people mistake the pitch for the work so that you're effectively saying look at a painting I've done and if people don't go that's brilliant then you're you're effectively saying oh you hate my painting or you hate my writing but there isn't the writing you're you're not sending the article I hope to an editor so actually you you but I think a lot of people mistake that for, for that so they forget that pitching is a sales process and the writing is the product the, the ultimate article is the product so they take the pitching really personally which is understandable 
yeah that's such a good point as well especially that the difference between you know if you're if you're a freelance writer you're a creative person you get excited about being creative with your words but pitching is exactly like hazel said it's a sales tool that's what it is Mm -hmm. and so it's natural that loads of people who are really brilliant creatives are really bad sales people (laughs) and so it's just a skill that it's a skill that you have to learn and you have to put the time in to kind of develop those those pitching muscles if you like that is so interesting because selling is something that came up recently it's come up yeah. for me with my, I'm training as a coach, which a lot of people who follow me on Instagram probably already know. Heidi, you replied to me as well on Instagram because I did a post about yeah. really icky about selling because it does, yeah. my, my shoulders have gone up as I'm talking. because it <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> It's part of it, isn't it? At being freelance, you're selling either an idea or yourself or, you know, you're writing to someone. It's not just pitching ideas, is it? It's pitching saying, hello. I do this, this, and this, would you perhaps like to work with me? It's pitching yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I think so many people just cringe. I mean, I do. I cringe. What's weird is I don't cringe about pitching. I love pitching. I love it more than I love um, actually writing articles. (laughs) If I could just pitch all day, I'd be so happy. That's my dream job, to only have to pitch and never do any of the rest of it. (laughs) But... um, uh, yeah, but but most people don't feel that way about pitching. Most people hate it because it's that salesy process. And I totally understand that because what I really hate is having to kind of sell what we do as newsflash. And we're sort of lucky in that, you know, to an extent we haven't really had to sell it because people recommend it to their friends because, like you said, it works. So people kind of go, oh my goodness, I, you know, it's not that hard to sort out my pitching technique and it has such a massive impact on my freelancing. So people do kind of almost sell it for us. Um, but to, to sort of grow what we're capable of doing and to make it, you know, accessible for more people and to just sort of pull our finger out really and, and, mm-hmm. and make it the very best it can be, we have had to we have had to bite the bullet and be oh, more But we don't, we still don't bite the bullet, do we? No, we should no. see the conversation we that we have. We just sit there going, Oh no, I can't write this and we're like <laughs> vomit in brackets and stuff because we're like, Oh no, and then we die every time we put a post advertising what we do. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of like that we're like that because I do think it helps to understand why people hate pitching like if you you need to have a bit of empathy don't you if you're going to help people get over that you need to understand why they why they feel that way so yeah we're as we're as much on the same sort of journey and that we just die every time you have to plug what we do it it sucks (laughs) mad isn't it and it's kind of like do people who come to you for training or advice are they all saying that same thing as well that they're just like look I like I, I also need to ask you about how, why you prefer pitching to actually writing articles. That's something that I'm like, what? <laughs> I've got a horrible feeling. It might be because I'm a really bad writer. <laughs> I just might be much better at pitching. Maybe I should be in sales. I might actually be the wrong double together. <laughs> you could have to write people's pitches for them for a, for a fee. See, I think that's why we, how we got together, actually, because I remember yeah. you saying that once, and I remember I, me saying, oh, my God, I would absolutely pay you commission. I'm sure that was, like, early <laughs> on in our relationship. Yeah. Although, but I do think as well, like, so for, I'm going to contradict myself here, but for everything I've said about how, or we've said about how pitching is, you know, a sales tool and it's a technique that you have to develop... I also think people think about it the wrong way because it is also creative. Like there is nothing more fun to me than getting a stack of my favorite magazines, a stack of the you know newspaper supplements that I want to write for. It's not often these days that I have the time to do this, but sit for an afternoon, cup of tea, glass of wine, read them from cover to cover. You, you brim with ideas. You can't not have ideas if you're a writer and you read those publications. And then the, the buzz of just, you know, turning those ideas into a compelling pitch. I really enjoy that process. And I do think it is creative, but I think that's because I've already, 
I've really worked out the sort of nuts and bolts of a pitch. So, yeah. so the sales part of it is kind of nailed like that bits there. It's, it's a formula almost. It's a technique that I just replicate every time because I know it works. So the actual pitching process itself, I find really creative and really enjoyable because it's about, yeah, how can I get this kind of, you know, bud of inspiration that's come from reading this article or reading these publications into something that's, you know, eventually going to be in print. Like that's just, Fun. It's a bit like crafting a tweet, actually, isn't it? It's like well, if you you really if you do so because I do lots of social media for people as well, and actually the challenge of getting exactly. I mean when when Twitter you know when so when Twitter was harder to write tweets and you had to condense everything, it was a real kind of fun challenge getting everything you wanted to say in the smallest amount of words possible and really yeah. concise, but with all the information, it's it is kind of a creative challenge, like cracking a code or something. So it, it can yeah. be really creative. That's kind of true. And also, I think, sorry, I was just going to say, if you re reverse engineer that process, and we, we do this in some of our courses and get our students to literally reverse engineer the pitching process, but that the whole idea of, you know, think about the piece that you really want to write, like not to go too woo, because Hazel will kill me, but if you, if you think about the piece that you really want to write and visualise it, like imagine seeing it in the magazine or in the newspaper that you want to write it for, mm. and then work backwards from there. Like actually, if you're pitching that, you'll be excited about it, you'll be a bit passionate about it, it'll be a subject that you care about enough to want to do the work. So yeah, I do think there's something to be said for kind of reclaiming pitching as being creative and not purely just a, a sales tool. But like I said, that's completely in contradiction of what I just said before. <laughs> no, that's great advice because that's like, well, yeah, if you imagine, okay, I want to pitch to this magazine, then you choose the section you think it would work yeah. with. Then you sort of imagine, I don't know, even like what image they might use. Yeah, yeah. You start to think about the end product. Yeah, you can sell, you can sell that once you started to think about what it yeah. will completely look like. It's like, oh, that's lovely. Oh, I'm all about practical tips. I love that. Yeah, and, and exactly, like if you were to say to me, Jenny, like I want to write this and you just talk to me about why you want to write about cactuses, for example, or we were <laughs> chatting before about, you know, a couple of mad feature ideas that we were sort of joking around, but we can, we can have a really relaxed conversation about mm. that. But as soon as someone says to you right now, write that into a pitch, it's really easy for people to kind of freeze and go, oh, I'm going to do that. But it's the same thing. You just, you're just, getting your passion out on paper, I suppose, aren't you? Talking about, you know, all of the, you know, the rejection and the, the, the challenges of pitching, but there's also the flip side, which is the extreme joy when someone says, yeah, man, I'll have that idea. Great. Here's some, here's an offer of some money for your little German <laughs> idea as well. Like that's the good part, right? Yeah, for sure. There's nothing, there's nothing like that feeling. I still now, like I still get through and it doesn't matter who it is either. Like it could be really badly paid or it could be a crappy little copywriting project. Just that subject line that says commission or better work for you. I think, yes! It's like there's nothing, there's nothing better than that. Someone wants me. Yeah. 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 Are your little babies, aren't they? They're like, you're like saying, here's my idea that's come from my heart and soul. Do you yeah. like it? Jenny, they're not your little babies. You have to stop thinking of them oh, like that. <laughs> <laughs> they're not your little babies. That's actually something that we struggle with with our, with our mm. students is that they, they do feel like their pitches or their articles are like their little babies. And that's why they take it so personally mm. when the editor of their dreams doesn't want them. And you have to stop thinking of things like that as, as an extension of you. Obviously, you have to be passionate about them and you have to care enough to, to write the pitch, to write a persuasive pitch, but you have to not call them your little babies. <laughs> Oh, okay. I pledge not to call them my little bit. <laughs> Plus also that reminds me of um, James Norton in the Christine Keeler drama, if anyone watched it, and he calls everyone little baby. 
but, um, yeah, it's a bit creepy, really. So I'll stop calling my, my pictures my little babies. Yeah, there's a real balance between the emotional and the practical side of it all, isn't there, that I think you obviously see from all of your students all the time. Yeah, we see they care so so much about their ideas and sometimes we have to, I mean, I'm probably much more hard-nosed than Heidi actually because she, she's really quite passionate and, and, and inspirational and much more so than me. But we do see students come and say, I've got this amazing piece, I really want to write this, I want to spend the whole year writing it, I'm going to, put, I'm going to pour my heart and soul into it. And you think, really, for 300 quid? Really, though? <laughs> and, like, and actually we do have to sort of, you know, shake that out of them a little bit, a little bit without actually killing their, their passion quite. That's really interesting. That makes me think as well. So I really wanted to ask you both, what is it like working with someone remotely and, you know, who's also getting, you're both getting on with other day jobs as well, as well as running Newsflash. Like, so it sounds like you're both quite different, but that obviously mm -hmm. works for you guys having a bit of a, sorry, don't kill me as well, Hazel, but I'm going to say a bit of a yin and yang. <laughs> or, or a better word, you know, is that the case? Does, do you kind of complement each other by one being a bit more sort of, emotional or perhaps or someone else being a bit more no let's just get the, the words on the page how does that work for you guys as a, as a business partners yeah I think we, we definitely I think we're I mean I'm gonna say I think we're a brilliant team like I would say that but but yeah and, and it's sort of intuitive and you know we take a massive punt in working together and not knowing how each other works like, like Hazel said before because we'd never worked you know even in the same office or anything before so we didn't we took a punt but it was in, instinctive that you know we could do something good together mm. and I think it works really well we're just really fortunate and we we tend to sort of I mean Hazel's doing loads of stuff at the moment for our retreat that's coming up like it's all falling on her she's doing stuff because we're sending stuff out to participants and it's you know I'm there's the Irish Sea between me and all of them and stuff so there's some logistics that mean I've been really sort of useless <laughs> and really hands-off in this process and she's just done it all and masterminded it and been brilliant and I feel you know slightly horribly guilty that I'm not kind of doing more but she does everything but, she does everything else though that's the thing <laughs> she does everything else it's not, it's not true but there's there's a real give and take between us like she doesn't make me feel bad that I'm not doing more like we just give each other you know a free pass basically when we need it because I suppose because we both you know what it know what it's like to have kids and be homeschooling and be running businesses and all of that so yeah we kind of we've just been really lucky I think that we work really well together but we are really different I think that's that, that yeah. like, we are so different in yeah. our approaches and our writing and our and maybe not beliefs yeah. actually because I think there is a core to both of us that it's really similar and we kind yeah. of understand each other and we don't we don't ever really have misunderstandings do we I no, don't know but, but we are really different and I think we respect each other's differences and she'll say things and go oh my god you're gonna hate this and I'll say the same and like and then I have to dial down my cynicism <laughs> and, you know and she pretends to dial down her woo and like <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally no I completely agree we've never really had a, you know a proper disagreement or a kind of really you know a difference of opinion in the way something should happen we we tend to sort of see things quite similarly often um and and very often I'll have an idea and say not really sure about this what do you think shall we do this and Hazel will just go no we definitely shouldn't for this reason and I think oh she's right she's completely right or she'll say 100% we should do it or she'll come up with something that's nothing I've ever thought of myself and I'll be like how how did I not see that that was the way we should do this so yeah it helps it helps that we have that similar outlook but yeah we are also like chalk and cheese in other ways and I think that's mostly you know complimentary so far we might have like a massive bust up after this yeah. <laughs> I'm recording they were friends <laughs> yeah, yeah. one of them died <laughs> <laughs> 
not even funny. Sorry. Woo. Woo is allowed. The cocktail. Now then. <laughs> That's all good. But it's funny because you mentioned, like, you mentioned the retreat, which I'd like you to tell people about as well. But I was going to ask you about like networking and why it's so important right now and it's come up in some of your webinars where sort of we've said look it's just good to talk about stuff to like-minded people and then you're, you're planning a retreat so why is why is networking so important right now why should we be joining in with things and saying yeah okay I'll sign up to to an event and go and put myself out there and say hi I'm so and so why do you think that is so important especially at the moment in the pandemic well I, the, my answer is kind of not it's not very intelligent insofar as I sort of fell into um or we we fell into kind of putting on some webinars and then we had a um a kind of virtual Christmas party for our sort of regular cohort of people who've done our courses and joined our um we've got like a secret Facebook group that you can join if you do one of the courses. I love so the secret Facebook group. Mm. <laughs> Guys, you should if you're listening and you want to do the pitching course, doing the course leads you to the Facebook group and <laughs> it's just the loveliest place. I'm oh. I sound like I'm fangirling because I am a <laughs> It's a good Facebook group, you know, it's useful, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I've people like you, though, actually, Jenny, but who make it a really lovely place. So. Oh, because I'm such a trendy <laughs> mm-hmm. But so, yeah, we had a kind of virtual Christmas bash for, for that gang of people, and we didn't know what we were doing. We just said, you know, should we, we have a drink and hang out? And like three hours later, we were all still just having, well, I was probably mostly drinking, but everybody else was hanging out. And it was, honestly, it was the highlight of my year. And I don't really know why, other than to just to just have a bit of connection and a bit of community with people mm-hmm. who have shared the same stresses and heartaches and strains and worries that I have this past year. It just gave me life. It completely gave me life. And I don't, I don't know what the science of that is. I just know that I didn't realise how badly I needed it. And that when we've said we're going to do this, do you want to come? People show up and they all say the same sorts of things that it turns out to really make a difference to, yeah, your sort of well-being, I think, to just have that connection. Yeah. And actually it isn't just the well-being, as, as we all know, that it, even it's really easy when you work by yourself and on your own, as I do. I think I don't need anybody. I'm an island. I'll get on with us all my own. Yeah. And then you go to an event. I'm talking about real life. You go to a real-life party and you talk to somebody and they give you an idea for something and they remember you and then they email you a few weeks later and say oh remember that and then those things just making connections with people always leads to work it always leads to ideas. Yeah. it always leads to something else so it can be really easy to forget the, the sort of chain of events that lead from things like that as well yeah, yeah. That's so true. I think as well I sort of instinctively put those things off like definitely in real life before before the pandemic I avoid mm-hmm networking things because I hate them I find them really cringe I just I'm not comfortable in them and so doing them you know over the last year has almost been a sort of necessity but in in being forced to do them because there's no other alternative if you want to sort of have a community of people that you you know do stuff with Mm. um but that it's it's that process that's made me go oh this is really really good for me but I still actually sort of hate it like even before we have a webinar I get really nervous and I wish it wasn't happening and I think about you know phoning in sick and all of that like I don't love love those networky things but then halfway through you get this big rush of like oh this is so brilliant we should do this all the time and then yeah you kind of live off it for a week or so afterwards don't you that's like going for a run oh sorry yeah it's really yeah you know it's going to be good for you but you can't like enjoy it until it's halfway through do you I think do you think everybody Jenny do you think everybody that does anything online feels that sense of dread before it like podcasts zoom calls meetings everything do you think everybody feels that 
I'd say at least 90% of people. So before I do a podcast chat and considering that I've been on webinars with you guys, Heidi and I used to sort of, Heidi used to be an admin on a group, I'm an admin on Facebook. So we like, we've spent so much time sort of emailing and chatting over yeah. there. Yeah, before I didn't want to call in sick. I was very much up for the chat, but yeah, before I was like, oh my goodness, it's okay. Oh God, is my Zoom going to work? And what? Oh, 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 and all those feelings then like, oh no, now I'm going to need the loo. What if I need the loo halfway through? The loo. Oh God. And it's like, well, if you need to go to the loo halfway through a webinar, you have to say to everybody in the chat, I'm just leaving for five minutes. Everyone knows where you're going. Yeah, I think everybody has it. And I think maybe you can thrive off it. Do you, do you agree with that? That actually there's that adrenaline of if you're not feeling a bit nervous, you're not fully going to jump into it, maybe. You could be yeah. too yeah, yeah, I do think that's true. You do, you do sort of, yeah, you bring your, your, you bring your best self, for want of a less cheesy phrase. If you, hmm. yeah, if it's making you feel like throwing up right before you do it, I think that is true. Brilliant. And when's the retreat then? Tell me about the retreat. Oh God, it's soon. It's really soon. <laughs> oh God, it's the 10th of February. Is that right? Cool. Which is yeah. a Wednesday. It's very exciting. And it's all day. It's 10 till 4, isn't it? Um, or thereabouts mm -hmm. with uh, the option to hang out in the bar afterwards. <laughs> I love that. I love that when you say that, hang out in the bar afterwards. So brilliant. So the, as people will be listening to this, we will be in March. So it will have happened. And I can cut this out if you like. But will there be more retreats from March or onwards? No. Yeah, so. I think we'll see how it goes, but I hope so. Well, we we have had a few people that couldn't come to this one actually, so um, they're already asking when the next one is. So yeah, I hope I hope so. Might it might not be exactly the same, but we might do. I mean, we were we were planning on doing sort of residential things and much more in person stuff before the pandemic, and we just like just got our asses in gear to kind of do all of those, and then you know the pandemic, so we didn't. So this has really kind of kickstarted this kind of thing for us. So hopefully well, there'll be more of things like this, if not yeah. it. Oh, I, yeah, hope so. I, I really hope those sorts of things like stick around you know like I would have done a lot of well not a lot but I would would go to London a couple of times a year for you know Christmas in July and kind of journalisty things like that which I love they were like one of the highlights of my mm -hmm. of my year but I really love not having to yeah. get on a plane and book a hotel and sit on the tube and like I don't miss a lot of that that side of things mm -hmm. and I would love to do an in-person retreat that would be amazing like I can't I can't imagine what fun that will be when we're eventually able to do that again but I also really hope that some of the kind of virtual things that we've all kind of gained from this past year stay with us and that, for me things like a virtual retreat is a brilliant example of that because you can't always you can't always get away from your family or your other commitments or just justify the expense or whatever you know there, there are kind of loads of reasons why those things aren't practical so yeah I'd love I'd love us to kind of make it a regular thing and to just even keep doing webinars because the convenience and the ease of that is amazing that you can be with sort of 20 other journalists in you know your office and get some of the best kind of feedback and input and support and everything without without getting dressed it's amazing mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not, they're not always naked just like to <laughs> <laughs> we're not, we're not always is the retreat naked <laughs> <laughs> that's the most retreat is the naked one <laughs> <laughs> i can't make that one by the way <laughs> oh, we need warmer weather before we can all get naked <laughs> Brilliant. I'm going to get you in a minute to tell everybody obviously where they can find everything to do with Newsflash so that if they do want to follow and join in with 
you know, sign up to courses. Quickly going to look at what our web address is. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Before I do that, I was wondering if you would both like to share perhaps like, obviously not anything that would be in the courses because people need to sign up and pay for those bad boys, but yeah. like a piece of pitching advice, like maybe a bit of a like, if you only do one thing to change your pitching or you had one thing that you'd sort of snip it to people and say, here's a piece of pitching advice that you should really take heed of. What would be your piece of pitching advice from each of you? Mm. Oh, that's such a good question. I wish I had thought about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I emailed you to ask that first. <laughs> I apologise. <laughs> okay, well, Heidi, while you're thinking, Heidi is the queen of, of the gems, so I'll, I'll jump in with <laughs> she can, she can, She can then join with it. Quickly thing. Google something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, this is obvious, but you, you would be you'd just be appalled at, at the amount of people that don't do this is read the bloody publication that you're pitching oh, yeah. mm. and not just read the current issue don't go oh here's a current issue of red i'm gonna oh they'd like a piece like this read the back issues to see whether a they've covered it whether b they're likely to cover it see where they would cover it and d what the style is and because that only that way can you write a decent pitch love that and readly is really good so people say but i can't get hold of them at the moment there's an app, an online thing called Readly. I know you have to subscribe. Sometimes people have. You should subscribe. Yeah, I think so because it's like you know <laughs> you pay get... yeah. <laughs> Exactly, it pays off. Other lovely wages. <laughs> yeah, wages. Heidi, what would your tip be? Can yeah, you I think. Feeling? I think it's probably it's not it's not very practical. It's a bit woo as you would expect, but it's it's basically make your peace with rejection. Get over your fear of failure because nothing will hold you back more significantly than building a sustainable freelance writing career than being too afraid of failure or rejection to get really brilliant at pitching um i love that i think it's brene brown has that quote where she says uh, she, i think it's in her book i don't know if it's the one about brave but she does a lot she writes a lot of stuff about being brave and she says mm -hmm. that thing about if you if you sign up in life to be brave you sign up to get your ass kicked like it's a given that you're going to get rejected that you're going to be ignored you can't you can't do this for a living and not kind of embrace that mm -hmm. um but you can she says you can choose courage i think she says you can choose courage or comfort but never both like mm -hmm. you've got a choice you can be brave and courageous in your pitching or you can be safe and comfortable and never get rejected but you can't have both and only one of them leads to a sustainable freelance writing career so yeah pick the right one wow oh my goodness every episode i get tingles at some point <laughs> there they are tingling away it's like that's so true though isn't it you have got to sort of say okay yeah I might get ignored and it's not about getting a no either is it it's like when we're pitching a lot of the time especially as journalists you get ignored but then I think, well, we ignore people too sometimes. I ignore a lot of emails that I get if they're not relevant. And I've had too many that day. So, you know, it's a bit, you know, you do it to yeah. other people sometimes. Too. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not personal, isn't it? And like you said earlier, I think it's that flip side of it, the rejection, the silence and all of that is normal. Like that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. So the buzz of a commission is like total validation isn't it that's what's lovely about getting a yes you you feel really validated as a person and that's brilliant and that's my favorite part of the job but equally i've had to get really detached from sending ideas and not really caring if i get ignored or not really caring if i get rejected so it's that kind of double-edged sword of you know yes go with go with the buzz over commission and the validation that brings you but don't be so attached to it that it stops you pitching in the first place i guess yeah. 
Very true. Oh, brilliant. You maybe want to go off and do some pitching, which I haven't. Yay! Yay! Mission accomplished. Do some pitches, damn it. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much. I'm grinning from our chat. I'm always grinning whenever I've been oh. to your events, which seamlessly links us to Would You Like to Tell Everybody, where they can find out about everything that you do, um, either personally or Muse Flash, as you wish for both of you, and, and everything else that you'd like people to know about. T tell me everywhere that people can find all the wonderful things you do. Well, then, I do. <laughs> well, so our website is museflash.academy, and everything's on there. The kind of story of who we are and why we do what we do is all there. If you love that kind of, you know, backstory before you find out whether you want to actually do anything with us, and then we've got a shop and buy all the courses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And then we've got a shop on the site as well, so you can literally just click and buy anything. We've got power hours on there at the moment. Um, we've got the pitching courses kind of always there in some iteration or another. We've got some training for small businesses or entrepreneurs. So uh, we're always being asked, you know, how do we take this and kind of apply it to um, people wanting press coverage? So like, how do you, how do you go about pitching editors if that's what you're looking for? So we've, we've kind of distilled it into that. Um, and we update the shop on a regular basis. We're constantly going, oh, well, we should do a course in this. Shall we, shall we do this instead? So, yeah, it's always a good idea to check in on the, on the shop, on the website to see what harebrained scheme we've come up with recently. Um, and then we're kind of on everything in terms of social media. I'm, I'm sort of mostly I'm on Instagram mm -hmm. these days personally. So Heidi Scrim is me on Instagram. Um, but I'm on Twitter and you can find me anywhere, really. Google me and I'll, I'll pop up somewhere, I think. <laughs> and what's Museflash on Instagram? Is it at Museflash? M-U-S-E. Is it News Flash Media? What's the oh. Instagram for you guys? We don't know, Jenny. Remember? Oh, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> look it up for it now. Oh I'm sure it's News Flash Media. News Flash Media, all one word. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Remember how we told you I read about it? Spelling. Well, not bad at saying, because you're just lovely people who just, by talking about it, you sell it, I think, because you just it comes across that you've got lots of lovely things to share and you're really genuine people so you know that's part of a selling technique in itself I guess or a selling Aww. you know thank you you're so nice <laughs> not send us the fan girl it's news media on instagram we're there media brilliant that's what just found us <laughs> you can only get in the Facebook group if you've done the course, everybody. Our Facebook group is Newsflash. We make Newsflash Media on Facebook, but yeah, then there's a secret group that we can't tell you what it's called. But yeah, well, we'd have to do something <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I wish you all the best with the retreat. I look forward to hearing about it and seeing if, if you decide to do it again later in 2021. And um, all the best with your pitching for the year. Thank you, thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Lovely. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter, which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com. And for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.